If you don't mind that you're going to make mistakes, then neither will other people. And here's the beauty. People actually like seeing you make masterful mistakes. It's very uncomfortable for an audience to see you make mistakes that are not masterful. It just feels uncomfortable. You're listening to Stand Out, Get Noticed, the show that helps you communicate with confidence so you can stand out from the crowd and get noticed by all the right people. If you want to be a person of influence and achieve success in business and in life, this podcast is for you. To subscribe to the show, go to thecmethod.com. Hey there, peeps, and welcome back to the show. This is episode 56. I'm your host, Christina Cantors, communication skills speaker and coach, ukulele enthusiast and neighbor to a demolition site. Yes, there is a building right next door to me being demolished as we speak, so you may hear some crashing and crushing noises in the background. I've tried to find a quiet place in my apartment, but we'll see how it goes. Anyway, not to worry, I won't be talking for too long. Okay, I'm super excited to introduce you to my special guest this week. Her name is Natalie Brewer, and she's the founder of Yellow Lantern, Australia's national public speaking program for children. Natalie has a background as a life coach, yoga instructor, professional speaker, and marriage celebrant, and she draws on this experience to bring a unique approach to her teaching. I sat down with Natalie to talk about what lessons we can learn from children when it comes to public speaking, and also what it means to make mistakes masterfully, and why you must learn to connect with yourself before you can connect with your audience. Now, I learned a lot from Natalie in this conversation, and I hope that after listening, you'll be inspired too to view public speaking in a different way. We met up at her home, so you may hear some lawn mowing sounds and Aussie birds in the background. This is like an in the field episode. <laughs> okay, anyway, show notes will be at thecmethod.com slash yellow lantern. I, first of all, come at public speaking not from the point of view um, on a personal level that I was once afraid of public speaking and then I got through my fear and now I'm here to tell you how to also get through your fear of public speaking. I actually have always loved public speaking. Like I was that kid at school who was the like the proverbial show-off. <laughs> my third grade teacher asked everyone to bring something to show and tell one Wednesday and it was my turn. And I, uh, he said, just bring the most special thing that you've got at home and present it to the class. And so I'm like, well, the only, the, the most specialist thing I've got is myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I took myself to show and tell <laughs> yeah. and I presented me. And, you know, I have had this really fortunate upbringing in terms of the character of my mother. She's deeply, um, confident and proud woman and, um, very nourishing and really, really puts a lot into her girls and it's me and my two sisters. So I was always confused and wondered as I grew older and, and noticed other people struggling with getting up in front of audiences, I was always wondering, why don't you love it as much as I am? You know, and, and I started to realize that, um, that I had a, I, I was, I was different by nature, but also had a very different approach to audiences. And I also had a very different belief system in that which I wanted to share and how important I, you know, um, I believed, uh, were some of the, the topics and themes that it was emerging from me. I always had a lot that I wanted to impart. Where did you get that from? I don't remember it. Ne- I don't remember it not being there. Like okay. I remember when I was about six years old, I remember saying to myself, is this it? 
looking around my bedroom and, and thinking about life in general and thinking, is this it? Surely there's more than this. And trying as hard as I could to stretch my mind out to the far corners of what I understood to be the world to try and gather what is what is the real reason that we're all here. And so it's just always been a question. And when it comes to public speaking, I always I always I always had the hit like of public speaking. When I am public speaking, it is the thing, the very exercise that exercises all of me. It exercises the person I am, the message that I have, the spirit the spirit in the spirited person that I am that wants to come through. It exercises the way that I reach for connection with the world around me and with people, but it also exercises the very, very fundamental connection between me and other who are right in front of me. And it's this symbiosis of connection on all levels that I thought there is no other practice in the world where all that stuff is working and you're being witnessed in being who you are. And as I got older, I realized when I wanted to deepen my practice of public speaking, I looked for courses. And every course I ever found, very um, Toastmasters style or even just things written up in books, was all treating public speaking like it's a skill. Eye contact, voice projection, body language, pausing, breaths. And I just thought every time I practice a skill that somebody else told me I should have to be a better public speaker, something within me um, wilted. I was searching for something that is in the white heat of presence and whenever someone gave me a skill, that white heat of presence sort of took a back seat and I became a little bit more generic. Because you're focusing on that, on the skill rather than what's truly you. Exactly, the symbiosis between me, my message and the people in front of me. And so I stopped going to courses and classes and... I I looked for more psychological-based public speaking courses and that was my background. I went and did a, a degree in psychology and I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a marriage celebrant. <clears throat> and also, um, I, I, you know, when I graduated, I worked at universities such as Deakin University as a teacher of coaching and counselling groups and had a lot to do with um, uh, life coaching and transformational practices, especially through yoga, I suppose. Um. So I was interested in how do you deepen your practice of public speaking through almost like an Eastern philosophy, almost like a bringing yourself into presence with, with the moment and, and connecting with, with self, presence and other. And then I thought surely the reason I love public speaking is because when I do that, that thing that I have done naturally all my life, all the skills of public speaking happen naturally on top of that. They're not something you, I don't believe people have to focus on when you get the first pathway right, which is the pathway into the self whilst presenting. And how long does it take for someone to be able to make that connection with themselves? Well, that's a great question. That's what I love. I mean, the, I've dedicated my life to helping people as quickly and efficiently as possible, cracking open real pathways into the guts of who they are whilst they're being witnessed by an audience. And so for me, it's about the body. So I actually train people to um, to do something which we call Yellow Lantern Kung Fu. And we call it that with kids because it just sounds cool. <laughs> but really what it is, it's a yoga practice and I do it with adults as well. And so pretty much the practice is feel into your body, um, especially the center of your body, which is where we say the, the lantern resides. 
So you've all heard, everyone's heard of the, you know, be the light, shine your brightest. Well, I say, where does that come from? What does it mean to be the light and shine your brightest? What did Marianne Williamson mean when she said, it is not our fear that we're most afraid of, but it's our light? Mm. What did she mean when she said, um, uh, when you, when you shine your light, you unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. What is it about shining your light that is so catchy and so life-giving and so vivid and so wonderful? And so I'm like, I just, all of the ways that I teach public speaking has got, have got to do with, with the pathways into that. And so back to the Kung Fu slash mm. yoga sequence. Um, the very first thing I teach people to do is how to have connection with the center of their body. As we know, love comes from the heart. If there's a place in the in the body that the love comes from, it would be the heart, yeah? Like that, confidence and shine, if there was a place in the body that that could come from, I would say with the research that I've done and the way that I practice, it comes from the very centre of your of your being, in between your ribcage, um, around your solar plexus. And for those people who understand yogic philosophy and chakra systems, the solar plexus is a very vibrant yellow centre of the body system. And it's a place of power and confidence and willpower. And um, so that's the first, that's, that's the place we start. Do you have a connection with the center of your body? Do you have a connection with the, with the origination of your strength? I'm curious to know how you explain this concept to children. Uh, how, how, how young are the children that you work with? So our program is in primary schools and we start at grade five. Okay, um, so they're about so, 10. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, nine or ten. It's, it's actually the easiest to explain it to them because okay. they, they, you know, it's exactly how I just explained it to you. If love comes from the place in the body, where would it come from? The heart. If confidence came from place in the body, where would it come from? And we just get all the kids to put their hands on their centers and we start off with the breathing, breathing into your center, breathing out. And we introduce the concept that you can choose how strong you would like to feel in the center of your body. And if you had a scale of one to 10, if you could choose to feel as strong as like a number eight or a 10 out of 10, then, then this is how you do it. Let's do a practice to get in there. Let's move our bodies. Let's, let's do the breath. Let's do a bit of Kung Fu to get into that space. And only then, after you've actually contacted the feeling of power in your body, then we begin to public speak. Mm. So every time I ask a kid to get up and an adult, it's the same. Every time I, I, I train people in public speaking. What there are to do before they step out on the on center stage is to do their practice of breathing and strengthening um, the that presence within their body. And it really goes a long way because if they've contacted that first and then they approach the stage, um, they can. It's like saying you can hit the ground running. It's like you can hit the light shining. <laughs> you know, some of the biggest speakers in the world, like Anthony Robbins, they get it, you know, in terms of they're not going to begin a speech when they're getting paid thousands of dollars an hour. They're not going to begin a speech feeling low in, in terms of their vibrancy. So every mass, every major speaker from around the world has got their own practice of energetically getting into their body before they even begin. It's getting into state. Getting into state. Mm. Yeah, getting into your shine state. And I, I, this is something that I teach people as well in terms of what they do with their bodies before they get up and speak or before they go into a job interview. If they're sitting crouched down, hunched over, yes. it's like going from zero to a sprint when you're supposed to be like 
on yeah. performing or speaking, whatever, exactly. in a nerve-wracking situation. Exactly. You have to already be on before yes. you even walk in the front door. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And also, how do you fill a room with your presence? Mm. How do you own the space in both inside your body and how do you fill your the room with your presence before you even enter the room? When, when you're working with the children, what are the biggest challenges that they face from the get-go when it comes to public speaking? It's amazing. You know, kids already as young as seven years old have already told themselves, I can't, I won't, I'm not good enough. And and being in front of an audience is like a stunned deer in the headlights for a lot of young children. And it seems to be only increasing, you know, mm. um, kids really shying away from the limelight. Um, so why do you think that is? I always, my observation with the 15 years experience I have as a life coach in public speaking is that when you are in front of an audience and you are sharing yourself, first of all, it's not natural occurrence for an audience to be witnessing one person. It's a lot of attention on one person. Now, in the witnessing, in the actual process of being witnessed, you are not just being seen for the parts that you like. Mm. You're also being seen for the parts that you don't like. And Kids, even as young as six and seven years old these days, are having thoughts, negative self-thoughts about themselves. Like, I don't look good. I don't have anything good to say. I'm not going to be confident. I'm... Any negative thought that gets in and is allowed to stay is also amplified when there's an audience present. And so no wonder, in my mind, no wonder public speaking is one of the most fearful things on the planet because you're in front of a room full of people and you're being witnessed in all of that which is you yeah not just the parts that you want people to see but all of it now here's the problem is when you don't think that you're worthy or or uh, of being seen and so that's why I, I argue and I will to the day I die I will always argue why isn't public speaking public speaking as a practice uh, treated as a psychological um, avenue into self-belief why don't we start with self-belief first? Why don't we make sure that there's nothing getting in the way of I can't, I won't and all that negative self-patterning before you ask a child or even an adult to step out in front of, you know, an audience? Mm. Because it can be degenerative. It can go the other way. If someone's not ready because they haven't dealt with that stuff first, people implode. And you get one person, especially one child, and they have one bad experience, it can set them up for life to never, ever want to do it again. And so if we're not getting it right, if we're not getting it right in the level of the 10-year-old, then we're actually setting up patterns that will, you know, can and a lot of the times do last a lifetime. Mm. So what do you do with the kids? Because so firstly, you, do, you know, you get them to connect to their centres. But for the kids who are struggling with this, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not worth listening mm -hmm. to, mm -hmm. how do you help them overcome that? Yeah, the same way that I do with adults. They have to first address their relationship with themselves and their negative self-beliefs about audiences. So I, get, I actually go into a bit of art therapy. So I get kids to draw out their relationship with an audience. Wow, okay. So, yeah, mm. so uh, a picture of how an audience relates to them, like in a negative aspect, and then I get to draw them, draw, draw it again in, a, in the most positive way they could imagine, and then I ask them to choose. For the rest of your life, are you going to carry around a negative picture on an audience of every imagined audience you might ever have thinking these negative things of you? Or are you going to choose, because it is a choice, to carry around a positive image, mental image of an audience and how they relate to you? And you've got to get them to have actually a friendship with just similar how you'd, how you'd start up a friendship one-to-one -one in the playground. You can do the same with getting kids to have a friendship with large audiences. And this is 
this is this is the key when it comes to teaching anybody public speaking most people only focus on the speaker now if it's somebody's very first experience of being uh, uh, you know getting up in public speaking a clever thing to do for a trainer is to actually train everybody sitting down as a part of an audience how to support the speaker no matter what this is the part that most trainers leave out they just go straight to this is how you be a good public speaker if you could imagine training an audience as a part of your training group to be there with full presence celebrating mistakes open to somebody being themselves no matter what what you're doing is you're setting up a can't fail approach a no fail approach and that's particularly important with kids so by the time they're actually ready to get up you don't ever do it straight away you know you wait a few weeks into the program they just feel like they can't they can't fail mm. they'll get up there a the audience loves them b they've addressed their relationship with themselves and the and their audience and you give them a very very simple task that they know that they can actually do and they're not afraid of fear of judgment and it's just and then you give them one good experience where they're completely celebrated and they often just don't look back they really really don't and it's just stunning to see how they mm. their whole body changes their face changes their belief system starts to actually change the way their face looks it's that's what i love about working with kids is when you make a really fundamental change you can just see the, the cataclysm the dominoes effect that seems to spread out in all other areas of their life can we go deeper into that connection to self because we before we started recording we were talking about you know everyone talks about having a connection with the audience mm. but you can't have that it's very difficult to have a connection with the audience unless you have a connection with yourself impossible i would argue okay incredibly impossible in fact anybody who trains about having connection with the audience without first starting with the self i think they've it's it's redundant it really is it's got to be a connection with self first why because we are other you know we are other the way we relate to ourselves is the way that we relate to other people so we have to start there and if we have that connection going really well then effortlessly we're able to connect to to people more so how deeply. can you tell as a speaker or maybe observing a speaker how can you tell if you don't have that connection to yourself what happens in my understanding is what i call the seat drops out of what you want to say and so this is where the mouth will keep going but the literally the bottom of what you're trying to say the substance the guts of 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 the flow of what you're saying drops out have you ever felt that when you're speaking before when you're kind of talking and all of a sudden it just feels hollow and you keep talking because you know your script and you know you've got to say these certain things but something about it doesn't feel like it's landing do you know what i mean it's kind of like when you watch people and they're reading the text off the slides because they know that that's what they have to cover yes but there's actually no you can tell that there's no connection. They don't have connection to what they're saying. They're just saying the thing. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the first way that I usually train people to get into that connection with with self is what I call um, essential speaking. Now it's really similar, you know, when you have a essential oil that you're burning in your home, like you drop you drop a drop of lavender in an oil burner, mm -hmm. and the whole room fills with fills with a scent. Yeah. To get that one drop of lavender, probably you had to, the company who made it had to cut down something like 70 trees, yeah, to get a bottle or I don't know exactly how much it is, but a lot of lavender, yeah. 
And so I say, if you're going to have something to share and you're going to share it with a thousand people and those thousand people might be paying 300 bucks a ticket or whatever it is and you know that you really want that to be a good experience for everybody, you owe it to yourself to contact what is the essential oil of what it is you want to say. Find your lavender. <laughs> so if you were distilled down into a tiny little drop yes. of essence, uh-huh. what would it be? Exactly. And you spend quite a long time figuring out your essential oils of your speaking before you even begin. I've had that question posed to me by a business mentor of mine. He said, what's the essence of Christina? Mm-hmm. What's your essence? And I was like, I don't know. It's really hard. <laughs> He's like, it's hard. He's like, if we could, if we could give one word for Christina, mm-hmm. what would it be? Mm-hmm. And I just stared at him and he said, take that away and think about mm-hmm. it. So I'm yeah. like, okay, so that's, so that's something I'm still on a, on a mission for. Well, that's a big one that. because that's about mm. one person. I mean, you're a, you're a large entity in terms of mm. what your output is. I mean, I think <laughs> to make it easier, if you had a speech that mm. you wanted to deliver and it's half an hour speech, you ask yourself, this is how you find the essence rather than say, if you could find one word, I, I, I would phrase it differently. I would say, if you had, something so important to share and you managed to share it to a group of people and then they walked away and they forgot everything that you said in that 30 minutes but there's one thing that remained that they will never forget for as long as they live you know or at least the next 10 years and they think back to listening to Christina what is it that they, they remembered that is the essence of what it is you truly want to impart and so every time I'm trying to find my essence, I ask myself, if everybody forgot everything I've said and they remembered one thing, what is the essence of my entire talk? And I'll find that essence. And then I'll, what I'll do is, is I'll implant that essence. I'll literally do a little short, simple meditation to get that essence into my, into my center. Right. Because if that ain't in there and it's just still up in the head, then it's still just words. And so, Use Western, uh, Eastern philosophy. Like, use a bit of yoga. Use a bit of meditation. Their tools are there for a reason. You can actually use a little bit of meditation to get that essence drop right down into who you are. And then something beautiful happens because when you start speaking, even if you've forgotten where you're going to say or what you were going to say or what you were going to do, it's almost just like one breath back into your essence and the words flow again. And if you're feeling like the bottom's dropped out of what you wanted to say or, um, you know, people are starting to look out the window, then you know what you've actually done is you've lost contact with your essential oil of what you're trying to say. And rather than sit there into yourself and think, what was my essence again? What was my essence again? You have a 90% better chance at instantly feeling into your essence if you've already done a little meditation before you've begun. Just feeling straight back in there. It's already inside the center of your being. You just take one breath. And then it's like, oh, okay, that's what I, that's what I'm here for. And usually your essence is a gift. Yeah. Um, so when I do a program with adults, um, at a women's festival called Seven Sisters, I was at recently, the essence of my talk was if you guys forget everything that you have learnt from me in this two hour program, I would hope that what you actually get from this is that embodiment is more important than execution. So feeling your words, flowing with your body as you're speaking is more important than the way that, the way you say it of what you've got to say. And the whole two hour program was around embodiment. Yeah. And so I'm pretty confident that in 10 years time, when somebody says, what did Natalie Brewer say in that one thing that I went to see her at that festival? I'm pretty sure that they'll remember embodiment is more important than execution. Um, 
And that's how I show up to myself. That's how I show up to the essence of, that's how I give most respect to the, to the point that I want to get across, to the passion that I have. It, it's reverent. It's, 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 it's about being really humbled and, um, and really finding the, the, tr the true gift of what it is that you really want to say. And almost turning it into a little bit of a ritual behind the scenes before you've gotten up on stage. And look, it, it just makes it rich. Mm. You know? You can fill the room with a good essence when it's rich and when you've really done the time to get it in there. And I always question, why is it that people always give lip service to, you have to um, practice your speech over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and practice makes perfect. And I say, well, practice is only a fraction. Actually, the embodiment and the essential oil and finding your essential oils and implanting them into your being, if you get that right, mm then you probably only have to practice a fraction of the time as well because that's what sits underneath everything. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And then making sure that you have that or that essence or you embody that essence, it also helps to give your speech more purpose. Mm. Instead of saying, oh, I have to get up and give this speech, it's, no, I'm going to share this essence or this really important, this one simple message mm. with all of these people mm -hmm. and make their lives better mm, richer, mm. Happier. and it, and as you're more connected to it everybody mm. leans in on your message mm. that's when you look around the room and you get people nodding their heads yes because the content of what you're saying is good of course it is but it's coming from your connection with it that that causes everybody to lean in that's beautiful it is it is really beautiful I actually really enjoyed on your on your site a lot of other you know speaking sites will say oh you know results you'll get this 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 one of the results that you listed there was the the children will will be able to choose magnificence, mm -hmm. which I thought was really really beautiful, and make mistakes masterfully. Yes, that's one of my favourite things to talk about. Um, so, <laughs> one of the best ways to get any person um, uh, into a, pra a good practice of public speaking is you got to first teach them how to make mistakes, mm -hmm. because a lot of the fear that people have is, what if I stuff up? What if I look silly? On a primordial level, it's what if I lose my reputation? Yeah, because that's one of the biggest fears that human beings have is loss of reputation on a deep level, mm. um, petrified of looking like an idiot. Um, so how could you train anybody in public speaking if you don't fully address that one head on? Okay, what if you lose your reputation? What if you do make mistakes? Uh, what do you usually do when you make mistakes? People usually uh, freak out, drop their drop where they were, they'd forget what they were going to say, go red in the face, some people will cry um, or laugh. <laughs> um, so I say if you, you know, let's explore the whole spectrum of how you would usually deal with a mistake and then let's learn to do that masterfully. So, for example, um, if you uh, have lost where you were going, where you were in your speech, like you've got a perfectly prepared speech and you've lost your way, um, there's... There's a few things you can do about it, but one of the main things that I love to do is mention it. You know, people don't think of that. But oh, just completely lost where I was gonna, what I was gonna say. <laughs> and recalibrate, focus again, find unashamedly, without any shame whatsoever, mm. find exactly where you were gonna be, uh, where you were, and just keep going. But do it with full, full witness. You know? I saw, I saw Simon Sinek talk about that once and he said that he once completely lost his train of thought. Yeah. So he stopped and turned to the audience and said, 
I've just completely lost my train of thought. Where was I? And yeah. then someone in the audience actually yelled out, you were talking about this. Yes. And he was like, thanks so much and continued exactly. on. Exactly. He just took it all in his stride. Exactly. If you don't mind that you're going to make mistakes and neither will other people. And here's the beauty. People actually like seeing you make masterful mistakes. It's very uncomfortable for an audience to see you make mistakes that are not masterful. It just feels uncomfortable because you look so uncomfortable and we're all empathetic. So if we see someone struggling that much, everybody in the audience starts to struggle Mm. because they just feel so squirmy for you. Mm. Um, So for me, I say to, to the adults that I train especially, your number one responsibility that you have to your audience is to be yourself and and so everybody else can also relax, to be the best job at being f- the flawed you, the wonderful you, the message bearer you, the vibrant you, all of that whole spectrum and do it without shame and without apology. And then then what you get is not just an audience listening to a great speech, you get an audience feeling somebody being themselves without any shame or apology. And it's quite glorious when you look out at that type of audience when everyone's relaxed because there's full trust. Mm. This person might stuff up. that. In fact, they already have, but they handled it so well, now I can relax. Mm. And it's a gift. It's a gift to fully accept who you are, realize that you're going to make mistakes, and be human. Uh, you know, not many people um, really give themselves the full permission to be human. Mm. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. So everyone listening, give yourself permission to be human. I love that. Yeah. I think I think we should leave it at that. Mm. Natalie, thank you so much for joining mm. me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. You shared, you know, so much beautiful wisdom today. If people want to learn more about you and, and your work with Yellow Lantern, where's where's the best place that they should go? Well, for kids it's yellowlantern.com.au and overseas it's it's lanternleague.com. So we've just opened up a global network of public speaking clubs for kids and it's been done in a different way to when it's it's ever been done before. Yeah. It's about full permission, showing up, making mistakes, laughing at yourself, growing your lantern light, all in a club atmosphere. Um, and anyone from around the world can open up their own Lantern League club. Yeah, so that's exciting. And then I do work with adults and we call that Untame Your Voice. Untame Your Voice. <laughs> yeah, dot com. Mm, well, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It's delightful. <laughs> You're delightful. <laughs> Big thanks again to Natalie Brewer of Yellow Lantern for being my special guest this week. Now, if you are in the United States and want to start your own Lantern League club, that is a public speaking club for kids, go to lanternleague.com for more details. I believe that Lantern League is is happening all across the world, but... Natalie said that she's looking to expand into the States. So if you're in the United States and you want to start your own club, go to lanternleague.com. I'll also put links to Lantern League and where you can contact Natalie in the show notes at thecmethod.com slash yellow lantern. So I have a special challenge for you this week. Your challenge is to make an effort to connect with your inner confidence by becoming more aware of your body, especially, as Natalie mentioned, that place just under your rib cage. Breathe deep into it, and like Natalie says, choose what level of confidence you want to embody today. That's what I'll be doing. So give that a go and see if it makes a difference in your day-to-day essence, whether you're speaking to people one-on-one or giving a presentation. Alrighty, and that's it for episode 56. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really, really appreciate it. Hey, if you haven't yet, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a quick rating and a review in iTunes or Stitcher. That's if you're an Android user. 
Actually, anyone can leave a review in Stitcher. Yeah, so if you're listening, go to thecmethod.com slash Stitcher and leave a quick review. It's super, super easy and helps this podcast get discovered by more people. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Alrighty, well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I will see you next week for another episode. Keep on being awesome. My name's Christina Cantors and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. The song that you're hearing this week is When Doves Cry by the late Prince. It's a little tribute to him. How can you just leave it standing?